Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Hulk Smash, I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. And welcome to issue number nine of the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club Podcast. Uh, we have no selected club picks that we would normally talk about in the beginning of the show here in spoilers, uh, events such as DC uh, Metal, and uh, we have the Avengers event that actually starts next Wednesday, so that'll be uh, something that'll be continuing for the next 16 weeks when it comes to talking about spoilers for the club. So we're actually going to move right into the non-spoiler section, which is made up of a bunch of picks that uh, people around the table kind of bring issues to the table, things that they're presenting to kind of sell the book that's, uh, that they've been enjoying, and once again, in a non-spoiler fashion. So anyone listening to this for the first time, you know, every podcast is somebody's first podcast, which is Stanley always said that, right? Yeah, so, I mean, if you're tuning in for the first time, you get to know that this is like a therapy session. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes in, they, they talk about their issues. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we have so, so many issues. Some are light issues, some are a little heavier, you know, a lot of baggage. And actually, the first one actually has tons of baggage. Uh, we'll kick it off with Rogan Gambit, oh, number relationship one. Relationship issues here. That's mm-hmm. right. Rogan Gambit, number one. So, uh, this I was excited for many reasons. One being that these were two of the characters that kind of uh, that I was a fan of when the X Men were introduced to me through the '90s cartoon. That's actually what introduced me to Marvel in general. So Rogue and Gambit were two of those uh, characters that kind of led me into uh, the world of X Men, and uh, the characters that have had your you know on again off again relationship. Uh, characters that really haven't. Uh, had their own story in quite some time. I don't know how long it's been, but kind of wrapping under the the Marvel Legacy banner seems like a, a nice time to uh, jump back into Rogue and Gambit's lives. So this is a mini series. I want to say it's like five or six issues, um, and it's the basic premise is that Kitty Pride, who's uh, running the X Men at the moment, um, she has this mission where she hears about this. Uh, it's kind of like this uh, vacation getaway, uh, like a couples therapy sort of getaway mm-hmm. uh, remote island type of uh, program in which they're finding that there's like kidnapped mutants and it seems like uh, uh, some other stuff may be going, in, going on in there. So Kitty Pride goes to uh, Rogue and kind of pitches her being like, oh, I have a very important mission, although we're going to need a second person on this mission. And that second person is, you know, your ex-Flame Gambit. So that's the setup for this series is that Rogue and Gambit are, uh, have been assigned to pretend to be a couple in this community. And uh, so that adds a couple layers of, A, it's an interesting story to begin with. But when you throw in their relationship baggage, as you mentioned there, then, uh, yeah, it, it, it was an explosive first issue. I... I think a lot of classic X-Men fans, uh, at least when it comes to Rogue and Gambit, you know, like, I think they're really going to enjoy a lot of just uh, the wordplay between them two was was pretty good, and yeah, it was an excellent start to a a miniseries. The setup's kind of funny just because, you know, with 100 X-Men to choose from, (laughs) um, 
you know, Gambit gets gets picked to go with her, you know. Yeah, he just happened, you know, in the past couple of years, I know every time, like, you know, he had his own series for a couple of years ago for a little while, it was short-lived, but every time he seems to just kind of pop up in these X-Men titles, like, was it the, like, beginning of, uh, I don't even know if it was Extraordinary X-Men he popped up in a... Whatever it was, he always seems to just be kind of like floating around yeah, from book to book. There's a few times that he'll, he'll pop in there um, just for a little bit. Uh, he did, I think, uh, for an issue, maybe two of X-Men Gold. I think maybe that's Recently, he of, made yeah. a brief appearance uh, where uh, he wasn't really a member of the X-Men anymore, but he, he popped in and got a little assistance from them. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how he's been used in, in more recent years. Just a little here and a little there. And, uh, yeah, so bringing them, you know, into this uh, here. So it has a very comical kind of, you know, with both of them being shoehorned into this uh, um, into this special mission. But it, it, it created a lot of good tension, a lot of good comedy, and uh, intrigued about, uh, you know, where it's going to go from here. And has a has one of those classic last pages that obviously makes you want to pick up the next one so um so yeah for uh something that i was excited two months ago when i saw that in the preview catalog i knew immediately that i had to uh get it and uh it was not a disappointment so that was rogan gambit number one and then uh, we'll move on to move on to astonishing x-men issue number seven yeah, uh, yeah. I figure we'll we'll move on to this because uh, you, you had a couple of good segues in there. Um, one because uh, right on the cover you got the the gambit headshot. Yeah. Um, because you know that that's a character that fits in nicely with a group like the astonishing X Men as they are. And uh, I also thought when you mentioned Kitty Pride running the X Men. I thought, yeah, but for how long? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, in Astonishing X-Men, the book really has been, up to this point, about the return of Charles Xavier. Um, yeah, if you listen back a couple episodes on the podcast, we talked about in... We did a spoiler one on that one, right? Yeah. Where we went, so, you know, to kind of... This is the beginning of a new arc of a very important Right, and, uh, and, and I figure with what's going on or whatever and what you got on the, the cover here, I assuming that wasn't really too much of a spoiler. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Astonishing X-Men. Um, we're kind of moving on. It's not like a, even a completely different arc. They've recently defeated the Shadow King, but it really continues on very organically, picking up a right from uh, issue six. Um, and uh, this is the first one where... Well, I guess we can't call him Professor X anymore. No, and he, he doesn't totally even like that, that either. He does not want to be called Professor X. Uh, he wants to be known simply as X. And uh, he comes back, and he's uh, he comes back bearing gifts, I guess we'll say. Um, but uh, and when, as you're reading it, you kind of have to question, you know, what are the purpose of, of these gifts? There's, uh, I think there's a little bit of a lack of trust Um going on and uh so all the other members so, just kind of so wondering he's, he's back the other members of the x-men are trying to figure out you know he's back but at what cost and what's 
you know, what might be different about him? You know, he's he's back under these circumstances that kind of uh, um, cause a, a little bit of maybe distrust, and uh, and you get that. And uh, there's there's one part where old man Logan makes a comment about uh, you know coming back and changing, you know, how, how death, you know, when you come back from it, it changes you. Um, so this, this is one of those books too, where just like with the Rogan Gamut thing, where you had that last page that made you want to pick up the next one. That's the whole reason that I've been reading this book. Cause to begin with, um, I wasn't sure how interested I was going to be in the particular cast that they had in here. Um, and every issue that I read, I think, ah, maybe, you know, maybe this will be my last one. Mm -hmm. But they have done a good job of stringing me along and getting me to pick up that next one. I think I was in the same boat with that, too. Like, I did enjoy those first six, but it wasn't, you know, I was enjoying the other X-Men stories at the moment. But because of what happened in those first six, made me very excited to jump in. And especially with our discussion, going into, you know, spoilers for issue number six the last time, um, that got me more excited to actually read this quicker than I would have previously. So yeah, I was I'm excited where it's going from here. So So yeah, that's Astonishing X-Men number 7 and then to uh keep going with the official X-Men podcast oh, here. We might as well, might as well uh change it up. It'd feel weird to come back around and bring it back up again later. Yeah, yeah. Uh we have the the Phoenix Resurrection number 2. Now this is a weekly uh five issue mini series event which will have a sixth issue sort of wrap up in a in the Jean Grey end of her uh solo series. But the Phoenix Resurrection we talked about it last week in uh, non-spoilers and uh since it is a a weekly mini series, you know, there's always you know now is the time to get on you know and, and especially with the issues coming out pretty quick and stuff too yes. speaking of time to get on i have never ever read an x-men comic in my life before phoenix resurrection number one but it looks so cool and everyone was excited yep. and talking about this gene gray character i'm like this this is awesome i gotta try it and i've just subscribed to the whole series so, oh awesome yeah definitely if you are new to the x-men or coming back this is a good one to get on with um yeah and I don't feel like it's that hard to jump no. into. Um, now, I mean, I've got years of experience with the X-Men. Um, you used to be on the X-Men, too, yeah, back in was. the day. Yeah, I might have been. Um. <laughs> X-Men Grey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, I just, because um, you got a gray hat, so. Oh, okay. Not the, the hair's coming <laughs> And out. you have a gray sweatshirt, so. Gotcha. At least it's gray from my angle. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, but uh, I, I I feel like it's it's one that's pretty easy to jump into. Yeah. It's got a large cast, and you know people who are new to this might not know who everyone is. But there's nothing really about them that yeah. that makes you have to know uh, exactly who they are. At least not at yeah. this point. Um, and what really surprised me is you know a few weeks back we had talked about. Uh, what issue of Jean Grey? Jean Grey, it? ten or eleven. Yeah, I wanted. I want to say it's, yeah, it's, it's 10. ten because eleven kind of wraps up. Because uh, what a great number, great round number to end on yeah, eleven. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> could have just wanted um, one more. Well, yes. well, these days with Marvel, you never know what issue is going to end on. <laughs> but uh, we talked about how we we felt that there was something in that book that 
you kind of were, were going to want to read in order to pick up Phoenix Resurrection and jump into that. And I've been really surprised yeah. to find out that yeah. um, in the first two issues, there's no um, there's no mention of that mm-hmm. big thing happening. Yeah, there's no little... And, uh, and I, I really thought that that was the lead-up to Phoenix Resurrection. Um, hasn't even been mentioned on here, so I'm not sure how important it was. Um, I, I still think, you know, if anybody who hasn't read that yeah. issue of Jean Grey, um, you know, I, I'd still recommend reading it um, for somebody who hasn't been reading the series. It's got to come into play. It, you, you know, I, I think uh, even not coming into play, it's still kind of interesting to see how that happens and then this is going on and you figure that they've got to be connected somehow. And there is a little bit of mention in issue two here of uh, what some of the characters in the Jean Grey book and where they've been. So actually there was a just a little nugget of mention, but not the big event that we're you know tiptoeing around saying that happened in that issue. But characters doing stuff in that Jean Grey book were slightly mentioned. So I, okay. it's probably going to keep yeah, in the I, gear I, here. I suppose because um, they don't, they, well, they do mention a few by name. That's true. Um, and that might be what they're referring to. But there's nothing concrete where it's like, mm-hmm. this is what's going on. You know, for more information, see Jean Grey issue number whatever. Yeah. yeah, they've had two opportunities to sell previous comics, and they didn't take that. So, so um, but uh, but the other the big thing for me with Phoenix Resurrection is that, uh, and I said it last week too. You know, maybe they should have just called this Resurrection, um, because. It's clearly uh, not just about the resurrection of, of Jean Grey. We're seeing some some characters that um, haven't uh, haven't been uh, used, haven't been around. Maybe even a it, resurrection of a costume choice. Well, that's yes. <laughs> Might be coming. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's some some other resurrections. They're resurrecting some characters who haven't uh, been used. Some of them, it really hasn't been that long since they've been used. Uh, some of them uh, have been uh, quite a bit longer. Um, and, uh, and backing up to Astonishing X-Men number 7, there's actually a resurrection in that book too, but that's that's a whole other story. Literally. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have, I've liked the angle that they're approaching this, like you said, like we were expecting, you know, the continuation of what was going on in the Jean Grey um, series. In her solo series, but I like that you know the characters are just as confused of what's going on as what the readers should be too. Even though you know you have the extensive X Men history, you know these characters are going into these little uh, these occurrences that are happening, which you know they're everyone's kind of confused about. So I kind of like that that mystery and uh, yeah. And and yeah, that's actually very accurate. Everyone is confused about mm-hmm. what's going on. So yeah, it's good, and I like that it is a, a weekly uh, miniseries too. Sometimes when you get things just being like, okay, well, you know, normally if I could spread that four dollars, you know, every month, you know, for that specific title, but when it's done in this kind of way, it, it's uh, it's kind of exciting because now we don't have to wait the extra month, and I, I like that because the story is good. So, uh, moving off from uh, some mutants, and we're going to talk about Hawkeye number fourteen. 
uh, Kate Bishop's uh, solo series, what's been going on in there has been a lot of mystery with her parents. Um, a mother that she has once uh, thought was dead, but maybe still alive. A father who isn't uh, quite uh, a, a good person that's mm -hmm. been uh, been against her throughout some stories here. And we brought in the other Hawkeye. And every time Clint Barton and Kate Bishop are brought up, um, they're always kind of arguing like, well, no, he's the other Hawkeye. Or, no, she's the other Hawkeye. Because rather than being... Like the other you know, David. Yeah, 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 David and the other David. So rather than like, oh, she's, you know, like, you know, uh, just female Hawkeye or something like Hawkgirl, whatever. But that goes into yeah, a different... Yeah, I don't think they can use Hawkgirl. That goes... Yeah, unless they spell girl with a U or something, you know, they can get around that legality there. Trying but a hyphen. Yeah. Hawk human. Yeah. Politically correct all the way around. There we go. Uh, now, I will say, so I know in the past couple of years, people have been very for or very against making Marvel characters female. Is there a, a reason in the story why this Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, is a woman she has been around for quite some time i want to say like she, she was one years? of the uh the young avengers okay yep um which and, which had kind of like younger versions gotcha. of uh of avengers characters he had uh and, and and most of the characters were quite a bit different mm -hmm. um he had uh patriot who was kind of the equivalent of captain america um iron lad who wasn't even close to Iron Man, you know, it was a totally different thing. Um, same thing with like Hulkling, even though it had kind of that Hulk type appearance, mm -hmm. much different character. Um, but uh, Kate Bishop, when she first started, did she come right off? Oh, you know what? When she came, she was Hawkeye right away, I believe, but Hawkeye wasn't Hawkeye. Okay. It was during a period when Hawkeye, yeah. I believe, was running around as Ronan. Yeah, I think that's how it was, and I know a lot of people, because, you know, and that was a great question, because yeah, cause I had no idea. Cause you look at that now, you see, like, you know, Wolverine's a girl, and Thor's a girl, and Iron Man's a girl. Well, a lot of people would normally criticize this, being like, oh, Hawkeye's a girl, too, now. I'd be like, well, she's been like that for, like, 15 years. Same thing with that's Wolverine, Laura Kinney, who was formerly X-23. You know, she's been around for, yeah. like, 20-some years, and but they've, you know, taken on mantles that were, you know... Okay. originally like the male mantles but so that makes sense because have you guys heard of the hawkeye initiative it was a, kind of an internet thing where um people would draw or pose as male characters but in a provocative way that um like some people felt okay. like the female characters were always kind of always cast or drawn in yeah, this way yeah. and do, it had been called like that. the hawkeye project or the hawkeye initiative and a lot of funny stuff came out of it but you know I was wondering if it was at all connected to that, but it sounds like, you know, they just happen to both be called Hawkeye. Yeah, cool. yeah. Cool, all right. So with the story with uh, Clint, they kind of uh, back and forth in and out of each other's uh, lives every now and then. Nice. And uh, what's interesting about this story is that in the uh, uh, Civil War II, um, I just have to think back if, or if, it, was, uh, or if it was in uh, Secret Empire. Secret Empire it was. Secret Empire, there was a lady who uh, lost a child. Her name is Eden Vale, and she blames Clint Barton. So in this particular issue of Hawkeye number 14 is that uh, uh, this, this Eden girl is looking for Clint, and she captures Kate Bishop knowing that 
she eventually will be able to use her as leverage as, as a gambling chip to be able to get Clint in there. Uh, this series has been very uh, comical. Uh, Kate Bishop, who uh, lives out in Los Angeles, has uh, started her own Hawkeye Investigations, in which uh, many of the issues started off with uh, clients coming into her office being like, oh, oh, this Hawkeye? We thought this was for Clint Barton Hawkeye. She's like, oh, no, she's he's, he's the other Hawkeye. <laughs> so, um, so it brings in a lot of comedy, and uh, it's a lot of interesting... Um, Tact, uh, tactics when she goes into uh, a fight mode she'll walk into a room and she'll kind of assess it and you'll see it as the reader where she's kind of like pinpointing everything in the room and she'll notice like oh bad guy bad guy burrito bad guy you know this like it, they throw in comedy like that but it shows just how accurate she is when she comes to laying out her fight plan and going into a room when it's one versus like like 50 or so um, but yeah, so this whole issue is uh, just revolving around the fact that she's captured and, and uh, her, uh, that Eden Gale, I think that name was again, Eden Vale, she, uh, she's the one that is doing that to lure Clint Barton to get revenge over a death of a child from Secret Empire. Eden Vale. This sounds like a character who's going to end up with yeah. some sort of uh, facial disfiggeration thing and wearing... <laughs> Uh, bail. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, right now she's kind of covering part of her face. Uh, I think there's just a style choice with some blue hair there, oh, but okay. uh, um, I don't think, yeah, at the moment, but yeah, she'll probably come out that way. But um, but yeah, it's been an entertaining series. Um, it is nearing the end. Um, so I think the final issue is in the current previews at the moment. But uh, this whole Hawkeye series started a couple years ago uh, with Matt Fraction and David Aha where it was Clint Barton stories about what he does when he is not avenging. And it's him like run, like living in an apartment and helping people in the apartment building. And it's it was such a it was the most non superhero superhero book uh, on the stands and a real and the style of it, the comedy of it and the art of it really uh it 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 uh, set itself aside and really became a a popular model in which a lot of people talk about the Hawkeyeification of certain Marvel titles where you'll get certain like like a She-Hulk book which is kind of just changing the superhero comic structure and kind of telling you know a little more personal grounded stories outside of their normal avenging lives basically so once the Clint Barton book was really taken off they brought in Kate Bishop into that series and she became very popular, so they started doing an issue of Clint one month, an issue of Kate one month, Clint, Kate, and kind of went back and forth to the point where she got her own book. And then, so for her to be, you know, we're going to end up on like 16 or 17, you know, months that she's been having her own series. And I think it's a, a pretty healthy run, but uh, even though it's coming to an end, it's never too late to uh, jump into a condensed story where you don't need uh, all the superhero backstories. Like, you go into it, and it's very much about her investigation and her her own problems rather than, you know, the world's ending. So this would actually be a good one to try, having not, like, read a lot of Avengers stuff outside of the movies. Yep, definitely. Nice. And, uh, yeah, whether it be Clint's uh, Hawkeye book, which is available in trade paperbacks and all that, but even starting with her, uh, uh, her own series, too, is... Nice. Yeah, you're not bogged down by 
tie-ins. Right. And stuff even like though that. this character has been around for a while, it still doesn't have the uh, the amount of uh, continuity and and history uh, to go into it as as a lot of the, the characters who have been around for um, well longer than I have. So. Uh, yeah. So that's that. That can be nice for for especially newer readers in general. Yeah, it's fun. They came out with an action figure for a while back as part of some like two or three pack, where the only way to get her was to buy like another Iron Man and another Captain America or something like that. And uh, I shelled out the money because I wanted the Kate Bishop figure. And, and you bought them all, and you ripped them out of the package oh, in front of Kurt. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable trying that comic because I was always like, why, like, why is Hawkeye pink, you know? And I was sort of just like, it didn't work for me. I thought it was really kind of weird because I thought it was arbitrary. But actually, it sounds really cool, and now I want to try it. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you'll quickly uh, be on her side, like, just, you know, get a lot of inner monologue stuff. She kind of creates her own little team with her investigation uh, uh, business and everything like that, so... This book creates its own continuity with its mm-hmm. casting characters and doesn't need, you know, all of these other... Like, Clint and maybe one or two villains are the most they dive into, uh, you know, Marvel backstory and stuff right. like that, so... Yeah, so don't be afraid to pick it up just because it's a pink cover. Yeah. Um, we I, learned, I do we, like we, pink. <laughs> we, it's nice we, we actually learned... Uh, um, I want to say it was an issue of All New X-Men when that was going uh, on. Issue number 12, well, by the way. One of those early issues we had when we first opened our store that uh, sat on the rack forever because nobody wanted a pink X-Men book. Yeah. Uh. Would you believe that uh, literally about an hour and a half ago, me and Kurt were bringing that conversation up again as we sat next that to That has the... a way of happening around here. So, so yes, That's why I knew it was number 12 so quick because we had just talked about it again. But yeah, uh, great stuff. And it's ending, so uh, there's never, you know, it's not too late to support a book and get, you know, trades coming out and stuff like that, too. So, because who knows where Kate will end up next, but uh, hopefully we won't be uh, missing her for too long. So, plus, if enough people buy that last issue, they'll go, hey, why did we end this? And and also, uh, as I was talking about the Hawkeyeification of the Marvel Universe, another book that was very much um, in that kind of, uh, type of storytelling was the jessica drew spider woman series which that one had a pretty healthy run too but that one ended uh last year i think it was um and that kicked off with uh her being pregnant and that was the big thing with the cover seeing like oh why are superheroes pregnant and stuff being like well those people never read the story because it's not like she was running around that, superheroing that that was after the controversial other spider woman uh mm. uh cover that was going around for a while it was shortly after that they changed up the costume she got pregnant continued superheroing while pregnant it like, not uh she she was training um the porcupine a former villain turned good guy who wants to be good and uh her and uh, ben urich were uh, working together and but uh yeah like these books these hawkeyes these spider womans um the other hawkeye um and like she hulk I love them because they're, uh, once again, just really focusing on them and not having to service, you know, Tony Stark showing up and stuff like that. So, 
Um, to jump over to IDW, uh, another book I really liked was issue two of Ghostbusters Answer the Call. This is, um, I think this is actually an ongoing series, or at least until, you know, it's not set as a six-issue. It's ongoing until it ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything is ongoing until it ends. Um, but, you know, some of these... Uh, some of these books will say straight out, you know, oh, it's six issues, it's four, but I think this one uh, so far is set as an ongoing. This is basically your sequel to the Ghostbusters movie uh, from 2016. It's weird to believe that it's, you know, a year and a half old, like that all that, you know, that that movie came out and all the hubbub about it. Uh, last year, Ghostbusters did a crossover event called Ghostbusters 101, which it took the both movie cast of the male and the female versions and their worlds collided into a six-issue miniseries that was very entertaining and servicing for both audiences. Uh, a lot of good inside jokes for uh, for both of the uh, both of the cast and the eras and of their uh, different movies. Um, so thankfully, we didn't have to wait too long because now we have the cast from the 2016 movie in their own story as uh, it's basically continuing on from the movie. Um, there is a, a ghost, if you would believe that, being a villain. In, in Ghostbusters, this. really? Yeah, it's uh, we have a ghost as our, our, our villain here. Um, what's happening is that uh, the characters are being uh, subject to their own nightmares and fears. And what's interesting in here is that in that Ghostbusters movie from 2016, we didn't get much backstory on where these characters came from. Even with the original Ghostbusters movies, you don't dive into like flashbacks and origin stories. That's stuff that you get through the cartoons and other comic books and stuff. You don't have to know who their parents really yeah. are and things like that, yeah. Uh, so you, you get what you need to know, uh, but what was interesting, through their fears, you get to learn a little bit more about each of these uh uh, characters, um, Holtzman and Aaron and, uh, and Patty and Abigail. And so that was kind of cool that through this threat, you're getting, uh, like almost like little, you know, origin stories in a way. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, it, it's written very good to the characters. Uh, so the voices of all those actresses, um, are done very well so if you watch the movie you're a fan of the movie you know them from snl and everything like you can really hear those character voices pretty good something that i always praise when it comes to like the buffy comics and things like that that i think these writers that are taking these live action properties are doing a good job of uh you know keeping that voice into the books as well and 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 the art does a good job with uh doing the likeness too so and you'll, you'll see that a couple times too or even in the Buffy books where you'll see a character being like wait is that Xander or is that Andrew like sometimes you you don't know and it's based on you know like an artist interpretation and stuff like that but uh so far at least for this um, you know they've been you know while not being oh we have to be Alex Ross likeness to Kate McKinnon or something like that um they are pretty much just you know who everybody is so that's a that's always a good thing when you're taking you know a leap from the big screen to the small paper. So right. They call this industry the small paper. Yeah, it's um, it is nice when you can recognize characters because even the most seasoned comic book readers uh, still run into that problem reading their their regular books where they come across and they aren't quite sure which character they're looking at because there are so many out there who look the same 
I'll even say the same thing for Ray Stance and uh, and uh, Venkman in the last series. There was a couple times when I had to look at their name plates on their jumpsuits to figure out, oh, okay, that's who that is. Because, you know, in appearance and drawn, you know, it's it wasn't screaming, you know, Ackroyd or Murray or something, so. Uh, I mean, I don't want to bash art or anything, but uh, there's, there's such a difference in those characters' appearances, you know, um, you know, in the actual on-screen appearances, that, that that's almost hard to imagine them being drawn so similarly that you'd have to look at them and go, wait, which one is this? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it kind of helps with this one here, especially when it comes to, like, Holtzman style is something very specific. And, uh, you know, so the characters are pretty unique individually and, and it's being represented well. So basically, if you're a fan of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, you can get more stories because it uh, you know, might not actually happen in live action anymore based on the performance of that movie. Uh, but as a fan of it, as a fan of those actresses, um, I was excited to uh, continue to get the stories now in comic book form. Um, one interesting fact as I wrap this issue up, Ghostbusters answer the call number two, Hawkeye number 14, and Rogue and Gambit number one. Um... It was partly coincidental that I selected these three out of my non-spoiler picks, um, but they were all written by Kelly Thompson. Um, so when you have somebody who is uh, writing three different types of stories, you know, you could say the Rogue and Gambit, Hawkeye, maybe you're kind of closer in the family just because you're dealing with the superhero world, but the actual story structure and stuff like that, Hawkeye is a you know, a way different book than reading an X-Men mutant book. Um, and then you got the Ghostbusters uh, fantasy book there. So, yeah, Kelly Thompson, um, uh, a rising star on the, the Marvel pages there. Um, she was one, they haven't announced it yet, but she was one of those when we talked about Brian Bendis uh, jumping ship from Marvel to DC, kind of wondering what's happening with some of his characters. She was the first person that came to mind that I would love to see uh, write Jessica Jones to take over that series. Uh, we won't know until a month from now uh, when they do the next preview on the new creative team for that one. But yeah, so Kelly Thompson, and she's writing a bunch of other books too, and these are just three that I happen to be following. So Yeah, and uh, I was actually surprised when you said all written by the same person because when you had them pulled out, the first thing I'm realizing that I didn't even think of as we're talking about these was they're all... Um, Character-wise, they're all very uh, female-driven yeah. uh, books. You know that that's where the characters are. Is, is you know it's predominantly this uh, uh, these female characters, and um, so yeah, it's just it was funny uh, when I'm thinking that that's where you're going with it. <laughs> and they're actually written was by that? the by the same uh, by the same writer. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, big fan of her, and I'm excited to, uh, basically, it, it's come to that point, like, when they announced the Ghostbusters book in the previews, I was excited because, A, I like those characters, but I looked at the writer, that, I am a very writer-based, uh, reader when it comes to following series and stuff like that, obviously the art is a big deal and can turn someone off a book as well, but, uh, just knowing a writer that I follow is something that drives me to a book as well. And uh, so when I was going to buy it, and then I saw Kelly Thompson was writing, I'm just like, of course she's writing it because, you know, everything was just, that's just how, you know, the algorithm of my comic book buying has been, you know, just a lot of my favorite people writing my favorite characters. 
So yeah, I think that will do it for the individual uh, new releases for non-spoilers. And then we'll uh, move over to the news. And now, the news. Alright, so for news today, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to anyone who's an Amazon Prime member. Um, you probably know about a lot of the different features of Prime and things that Amazon would like you to subscribe to. Uh, number one, don't do that. Please come order them through the store. However, if you do have Amazon Prime, yes. <laughs> there's a feature called Prime Reading, which is you get to read free things as part of your membership. It's different than Kindle Unlimited. It's different than Lending Library. It's different than Kindle First. But it does have a lot of graphic novels in it, um, a bunch of different Marvel titles. We have some Star Wars titles. Um, there's some DC as well. Uh, I, so do we. Yes. The store does too, but the reason I bring it up is it has um, a lot of kind of issue number one through five trades um, that are nice jumping on points or either to like go back if you didn't read it or if you're new to it. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun reading it, and I've read some Guardian stuff and some Thor things that I, you know, has given me a broader appreciation for what's going on in these comics the past few years and a better understanding of it. And now I'm excited to come to the store and order some of them. So so it's kind of like a fun little like sampling to yeah. get a, you know, here's a taste of this and then you... Mm -hmm. So, good. And for the record, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've actually uh, sent, sent people elsewhere uh for for stuff especially you know people who are looking for stuff but they're just they're not sure what to start um reading um the local library has a pretty good selection yeah, of trade paperbacks um you know and I'll, I'll send people over even even to there so yeah. i mean there there are other alternatives besides buying stuff here although that's definitely the number one recommended uh, source but um but yeah, I mean, even like the library, if you're yeah. if you're new new to this and you're not sure what to to go with, and you just kind of want to dip your toes in the pool, um, you know, that's a good way to do it. And remember, um, then you're saving the money to come spend at the store because now you already know you're gonna like it, so you're really confident you can order like a new series or grab a bunch of back issues. So it definitely works out well for everyone all around. You know, another great place to get some comics. The giant previews catalogs. Hopefully they'll have a cool sound effect on the computer there. Um, the new previews catalog uh, that we teased uh, last week here on the club is here. The items that are going to be released uh, coming out in March, whether it be comics or collectibles or t-shirts and you know action figures and statues and pop figures and trades. And there's so much stuff that uh, we're going to kind of go through and highlight a couple of those things. Uh, Marvel comes out with their own little uh, previews catalog, so we're going to start with the Marvel one. On page one, we see the Infinity Countdown Prime. Uh, now, the Guardians, which we had talked about in the past uh, podcast issues here, um, the Guardian series has the Infinity Quest, and it'll be wrapping up with issue number 151 of the Guardians, and it's going to bleed into this Infinity Countdown uh, series as the countdown will lead to, you know, Infinity... Uh, just Infinity or Infinity Countdown? I'm not uh, sure what they're all calling Infinity it. Infinity Countdown, yeah. Well, basically, if you want to jump in, uh, we're going to be getting uh, the Infinity Countdown Prime, and then there's also the Infinity Countdown number one of five. Now, there could be some kind of confusion on, yeah. like, because 
when you look at some of the printing on here, it says Infinity. Uh, I just thought they were different covers. Yeah, it says Infinity <laughs> Countdown Prime number one on one page with a different creative team. But then you look to the next one, Infinity Countdown No Prime, number one of five. Um, because, I th well, I think Prime is, it's got a number one, but I think it's only a one. Yeah, it's like a one-shot type of deal. Which, I mean, Marvel's done that a lot and in stories like this. Um, I want to say from their events, but of course it's Marvel, so this isn't really an event. Um, but, uh, yeah, like a lot of times they'll have something and they'll have a Prime that'll go with it, or an Alpha and an Omega. Um, but, yeah, it's a little unusual to see Prime number one. Yeah, so if you're interested in jumping in that, just tell the store, tell Kurt, tell David, being like, I'm interested in all the Infinity uh, stuff that's going on, then, you know, whenever they pop up in the order form, you know, they can reserve. And that's what the previous catalogs are for, if you're unfamiliar, is kind of looking and uh, seeing what you want to read and what you can reserve will be held for you, uh, and then your subscription discounts. Uh, you can ask for details on that if you're uh, if you're collecting multiple series and stuff like that. So that's what these catalogs are all about. Um, jumping over to page five, uh, kind of a historic moment for this story is the death of the Mighty Thor, part six, which takes place in Mighty Thor number seven hundred five. Uh, they seeded this at the beginning of the legacy uh, initiative that they're doing at Marvel, uh, in which they're telling this uh, the female Thor, her possible demise, you know, as they say right in the title, The Death of the Mighty Thor. Since I've been following this series for a couple years, um, I order all these books, but I don't read a lot of what's going on. So even though they say this, you know, death can mean many different things when it comes right, to comic books. I'm trying to remember the source. Uh, but I had recently um, read something to the effect of um, it's not going to end the way that you think it would end. What that means, I don't know. Um, you know, it could be that we still see the death of Jane Foster. Um, maybe we just see her end as, as the Thor and she becomes... Um, I don't know, the new Thunderstrike or some, some other Thor-type uh, character. Um, I don't know, but they, they have said it will end, you know, differently than what you expect. Yeah, I, I don't know what that means. And, and it, that does excite me because being a fan of her and her story throughout uh, these last, like, it's been like four or five years that this has been going on, which is kind of crazy to think it's been that long. Yeah. Um, but knowing that little piece, or not knowing anything from what you just said, it, it does excite me that it's not, like, I guess... This is the not really news segment, right? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I want to try it just because the cover looks pretty neat. There's, yeah. like, all kinds of fire going on, and yeah. Yeah, they've had a lot of, uh, even through all the other uh, Mighty Thor books of uh, her era here, have been... Uh, pretty fantastic covers and for those people wondering when you look through these preview catalogs you know all these comics come with like a cover a uh there will be some that'll have a cover b variant covers but then there'll be a couple different tiers that could be uh unordable uh through the store based on you know just sales numbers or availability sometimes these variant covers start at like 50 bucks there's a there's a image cover for a new. Uh, you have customers coming in. Uh, there's a image uh, series from uh, Robert Kirkman who mm -hmm. did uh, The Walking Dead and The Outcast. Cool. He has a new um, uh, series debuting that we'll get to. 
there's a variant cover that's literally $200. Wow. So for okay. anyone, yeah. So for anyone wondering, um, that is, uh, there's different variants uh, in the store. For instance, uh, something else I'll talk about later too is sometimes I buy multiple covers of the same comic because, you know, covers are so cool and, you know, you figure you're paying like $4 for a piece of art, mm -hmm. whether or not you're buying the same story over again, you know, it's, there's a lot to offer when you look in the catalogs that uh, you may not see on the shelves um, immediately. So with uh, Mighty Thor number uh, 705, yes. are, are, you, are you eyeing up the, the variant with the, the un- the unhelmeted. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's it's pretty good. I'm probably gonna end up getting it. Yeah, I have to refine my list. I usually take a couple weeks. Uh, I have a pretty extensive uh, reading list, so not only to uh, try to make sure I include everything. Uh, that's one good thing about Crimson Cowl is that Kurt, who uh, submits a lot of the orders, um, there'll be something where I'll miss something that I normally read just because mm -hmm. these 600 pages yeah. of catalog. And he would be like, I ordered it for you anyways. And yep. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, because I forgot about it. So that's something, like, Kurt's very good at, like, knowing what everybody's into. And Yeah, he does that for me, too. So um, I like a lot of X-Files comics, and um, we have a ton of back issues in the store. So when they see some uh, classic X-Files comics, they'll pull them out and set them aside for me. And it's really nice. It's like... I love the store, but it's the extra touch that really makes me feel committed to this store is that the people here know and care about you. Yeah, so like, yeah, if you are a fan of that, like, it would even see the the, the floor, uh, the sales floor if it's from, like, the back issues because of that, mm -hmm. being like, all right, this one's getting, you know, first dibs for these people. So come in and chat and let us know what you like, and, uh, you know, we can easily get you started on a lot of, uh, a lot of good comics that are out there. Jump into page seven, um, and, and usually the beginning of these catalogs, they do, even though it seems like we're going page for page here, um, they put a lot of the, like the big stuff mm -hmm. that are happening in the beginning, and then you know we'll sift through the rest pretty quick. But The Amazing Spider-Man number 797, which is start of a new and possibly final art for the writer Dan Slott, who has been writing Spider-Man the most more uh, for this, uh, this version of Peter Parker, Brian Michael Bendis, who created the, the ultimate universe of Peter Parker and Miles Morales. I think he holds the record of writing the character, quote-unquote, Spider-Man for the longest. But when it comes to the original Spider-Man that was done by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko back in, uh, like, 1963, 62 and 63, mm -hmm. um, Dan Slott, over the last 10 years, has been the writer I've met the man. Uh, he is Spider-Man's his favorite character. I never thought I'd live to see the day that he would stop writing Spider-Man. There's some fans who, you know, wanted him to stop years ago, but then there's the other fans, just like myself, being like, never stop. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, I'm wearing a Spider-Man hoodie as I say this, so I sound like a walking billboard at this point. But, uh, um, but yeah, this is leading up to an issue 800, and it starts with this go-down go swinging arc which kind of has several different meanings of uh, the direction of the characters in the book, as well as, you know, Dan Slott, you know, moving on. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do yeah. from here uh, from here on. But go down swing, it seems like, you know, he's one that seeded something that happened in Spider-Man number 700. Um, something that happened in there, he secretly laid the groundwork in issue number 600, 100 issues prior wow. that nobody, not even the, the editors of his book knew something that he knew. Like he's such a, he plays the long game and everything. Oh yeah. Sounds so, like 
So knowing that uh, go down swinging leading up to issue number 800, um, I'm so excited to see how this is uh, going to end. And I'm excited to, you know, continue buying Spider-Man because it's Spider-Man. But uh, so, yeah, I wanted to highlight that one. And then jump into page eight. It's a continuous uh, reminder that uh, the no surrender through the Avengers uh, storyline that we'll be talking about here at the club. Uh, the next four issues are uh, available to order through March, uh, parts uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12. So, yeah, this event kicks off uh, next week at the time of this recording, and we'll talk about spoilers uh, for the 16-week Avengers event that coincidentally leads up to the Avengers Infinity War movie. They have nothing to do with each other, but for uh, marketing, you know, it's it's excitement. And if you're excited for that movie, uh, you can count down by buying, you know, 16 issues mm -hmm. of the Avengers to get you excited. So, um, And then I want to jump to page number 17. And if there's anything that you see uh, that we pass up in the meantime, feel free to call it out. Well, right before that, on page yes. uh, 16, we have Daredevil 600. Yep, um, that's actually what I'm leading to. Oh, well, I just said 17 because cool. that was the main cover. Well, it's got a cool cover. Well, anyway, so I'll jump in. What just caught my eye a second ago is it's written by Charles Sewell. Yes. I've read some of his Star Wars stuff, and it is really good. Like, he um, took on a run of Darth Vader earlier yep. this year. That starts immediately after the end of Revenge of the Sith, and um, it is some powerful writing. I mean, he... He, d he took a character that was already messed up and made me really cringe. Like, he is super good. So, that being said, tell us about Daredevil 600. Well, he's also the writer of the Poe Dameron series. Oh, true. And then uh, Astonishing X-Men that we just talked about. He's the writer of that. The independent series Curse Words. And there's going to be something else brand new for the man who writes every comic. Brand new at the back of the previous catalog, which I'll also talk about. Oh, very cool. But, yep, that's a perfect segue leading to Daredevil number 600, which will be the end of this Mayor Fisk uh, story arc. When Marvel Legacy kicked off, uh, we found out that uh, Wilson Fisk, the, the crime boss, uh, longtime villain to uh, Daredevil and Spider-Man, has uh, won the election to become a mayor. And Daredevil mm -hmm. uh, obviously does not uh, like that. And... Uh, um, <laughs> And this is all coming together in this uh, anniversary issue of issue number 600, and they're going to conclude that story there. So it's going to be big. Um, I'm excited. He's been writing Daredevil for a couple years now, and that was a character that I never really watched much, but you know, I love the Netflix show, mm -hmm. so I just dove into uh, the current Daredevil at the moment, and, uh, and that led into his run as well, so... That's coming up for an uh, anniversary issue. And that's a, you know, it's a collector item thing, too. So even if you haven't been a reader for uh, any of these, you know, upcoming Spider-Man 800 or um, what have you, uh, the big... Covers yeah. What is this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Road to 100? Are they talking 100 episodes? Of yep. Show? So oh, okay. Season 5 of Agents that's of S.H.I.E.L.D. True. right now, any Season 5 of a, of a normal network show will reach its 100th episode for the most part mm -hmm. in its fifth season. Oh, and you'll right. see, there's a couple of them uh, highlighted. They don't show a lot of them. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, they have these uh, special uh, television uh, variant covers for the... Uh, and, and most of the time, there are photo variants, meaning the mm -hmm. actual characters from the television show. But one of the examples showed that it was an art-drawn cover in the style of the television show. Oh, I see that. So, uh, so yeah, there's it's a 
been a fast five years for me. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I guess it's 2018, so. That's right. Time moves. Um, moving over to page 43, we're talking about Jessica Jones, number 18. Um, Jessica Jones, I had mentioned in the last segment, uh, this creative team, uh, the creators of Jessica Jones, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, and the artists over here with Michael Gatos, they are wrapping up a tenure with Jessica Jones um, that you know spawned uh, a crazy awesome uh, Netflix series, which is coming back for season two in a month or two. Um, but with uh, the news that the writer, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Marvel... Um, uh, one of the head Marvel writers moving over to DC Comics so everyone's kind of wondering what's happening with the characters and because he writes many books but he's also created many of the characters mm-hmm. one being Jessica Jones and they say that uh, um, this is kind of the unforgettable issue that ties threads together from all over the amazing Marvel Universe but with this being Brian Michael Bendis' final issue of Jessica Jones um i've been i've read everything that she's been in so i'm excited to uh dive into this um and it'll be a probably a pretty emotional uh issue and they haven't yet announced who they are uh taking over for issue number 19 but the character will continue to move on but uh this will be the end uh, for brian michael bendis uh and i assume michael gatos is probably moving on drawing it as well but yep, uh, issue number 18 over there for the month of March. And uh, that kind of ends it for me of just kind of like some of the things mm-hmm. I'm excited for, some kind of noteworthy things. Anything else that you noticed in the Marvel catalog just by flipping through that uh-huh. caught your eye? Well, the Thanos Wins Part 5 cover is pretty cool beyond that. Yep, uh- so the Thanos <laughs> uh, series that is uh, two issues into this current arc at the moment is a story where Thanos ran into a future Thanos um and uh, a future bearded Thanos which mm-hmm. I think might be the first time we've seen Thanos with a beard um I do have almost I, I have quite a bit of uh, Thanos comics so uh, maybe he grew some facial hair over the decades yeah. but uh, when he approached a future version of himself um, Thanos after just since recovering from an illness is now looking to reclaim everything that he does and uh I had, you know, taken over the universe and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, good stuff happening over there at uh, in Thanos land. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, anything else that I didn't mention, I do uh, each and every Sunday of a new previous catalog on the Crimson Call Comics Facebook page. I will uh, highlight, I'll go through, and whether it's stuff I'm reading or not, uh, it's not just Anthony specific, but I'll I'll uh, pick a couple things that are noteworthy. I did the Marvel one uh, last week at the time of this recording, and then I jump into uh, the DC catalog um, this coming Sunday, uh, tomorrow. And uh, what that kind of does, it kind of shows you some of the art pages and gives you the synopsis. And if someone doesn't have the time or they're unfamiliar with the previous catalog, they get kind of an interesting highlight version through the Facebook page. And that may turn them on to uh, noticing a series that's starting or ending that they are unfamiliar with. So, so even though we only covered a, a couple things in here, the Marvel catalog shows a lot of trade paperbacks, including like the first new volume of Runaways, the latest one of Mighty Thor, and just, you know, updates for every single comic. So whether it's new issues or collected issues or uh, sometimes reprintings of classic stories are thrown into here. Like uh, Kurt's dad had mentioned a couple weeks ago uh, for last month's catalog 
is that they're reprinting the classic Infinity Gauntlet storyline oh, from the 90s in which these Marvel movies are all building oh, up I to. Read that. <laughs> and those are, you know, this is the great time because sometimes when you, for a story that's over 20 years old, um, yeah, you can find, you know, the old trade paperbacks and such, uh, much harder to find the mm-hmm. individual issues because now they're rising in price because of the uh, oh, success sure. of the movie. But what Marvel does, they're like, hey, we're selling a big movie. Why not reprint these collections and uh, take them from out of print into into yeah. print again? Um, so yeah, it's always worth uh, taking a look to uh, to see for a comic so- story that may have been hard to find, maybe easier to find when they reprint it. Um, so yeah, uh, jumping over to the big previews catalog, uh, we're kind of go through. I have a couple highlights from the publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, since David is away from the table at the moment, uh, Katie, if you see anything that sure. caught your eye, just uh, feel free to interrupt or raise your hand yeah. or something because I'm well, just kind of on a. I got one right away. So Perfect. I normally skip past kind of like you know the opening pages where they're just talking shop. Yeah, there's but, a lot. Um, I saw it just sort of caught my eye. We have like a really. There's the Puerto Rican flag, and this is like, you know, their letter to the editor, letter from the editor column. Um, as everyone knows, it was a very bad year for hurricanes, and um, the island of Puerto Rico got just destroyed and are still, um, well, there's no words to describe how bad it is, but are still, you know, fighting that and recovering from that. So um, there, there's going to be a Puerto Rican strong comic book where uh, the proceeds are being donated to um, survivors of the hurricane for rebuilding efforts. And then they're also going to talk to a Puerto Rican comic shop called Metro Comics where they're going to you know, give their own take on what's going on in their country. And uh, well, their country, they're, they're sorry, they're, what's the word, a territory of the United States. Yeah. So our country, but in their part of it. Um, I just completely butchered my knowledge of geography, but <laughs> it'll be nice I'll to hear from all people that on out the and make you sound yeah. like the smartest person in the world. But, so. uh, you know, something that, you know, really caught my eye and, you know, sometimes people think comic book readers are all, you know, very, maybe not as connected to the world or necessarily Yeah, they're buried in their fiction yeah. and this detached from the real world and maybe some people are but in my experience everyone has been extraordinarily kind and very generous and you know this is um, just a culmination of that kind of spirit i saw they're also going to be doing one for the survivors of the vegas shooting so and that's a perfect segue uh i think there might be a copy here at the store for something that's called uh love is love when the orlando shooting happened Mm -hmm. i quickly ordered that up and it was that anthology comics of uh creators telling their version of the you know of the dealing with the like the mass shootings and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and you know the proceeds going to the appropriate uh, foundations and things like that so yeah that uh puerto rico one as well it's kind of following that same vein and to kind of show like you know the the comic community coming together for a good cause and uh and you know it's real good work and Mm -hmm. it goes to a good place so yeah uh, highly recommend those yeah well i was interested about i didn't know that was what the love of this love one was yep, about that's exactly yeah. interesting well i know at least in my case i turned to comics to escape from the world because it's not always easy no matter who you are we've all got our burdens and our struggles so i think it's a really nice thing that these writers and artists are doing to say hey you know we do care about you and we're connected and we want to help in our way so what better way to you know show your love and help than by sharing the joy of comics so i agree 
Um, moving over to, uh, now you'll see in the beginning of the catalog is a lot of advertisement for Free Comic Book Day, which is always the first mm-hmm. Saturday in May of every year. And Crimson Call Comics does participate, in which they uh, order up a selection of uh, new stories and some old collected stories that are presented um, in free comic book issues. Uh, typically stores will be like, oh, you know, pick... You know, one or two from the pile, and then if uh, I know Crimson Call last year did something where you know you spend a certain amount, then you get to pick like an extra title because sometimes there's like 50 new books or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, traditionally, most stores have those kind of set limits. But it's a it's a good way to bring in uh, people in the comic book store, uh, supporting local businesses, things like that, um, getting some free comics, and then also uh, checking out what else is available on the rack. Uh, while we're not going to dive into the actual titles that. They talk about, I just want to make a mention that I hope they can get this, but I put in my order for it. Mm-hmm. They have a free comic book day t-shirt every year. Mm-hmm. And this one is going to be centered around Mike Allred, who is one of my favorite artists. Um, and they took his creation of uh, Mad Men, um, or Mad oh, Man, rather. Um, cool. Yeah, and they kind of threw it into uh, a design and to advertise, like they're kind of just focusing on him and his creations and uh, turned it into the free comic book day advertisement. And I've never been one that uh, has been like, hey, I want that free comic book day t-shirt. But now when they take one of my favorite artists, I'm like, yep, I want one of those. So hopefully they're able to order up some of that stuff there. But free comic book day, uh, even though it's uh, five months away, it's never too soon to talk about it, apparently. Um... There's nothing huge in Dark Horse that I had uh, noticed other than issue two of the Buffy Giles series that's happening, which I talked about in the last month's podcast. Uh, so if we're jumping basically out of Dark Horse, um, and you, what you'll see in each publisher too, you'll see a bunch of, uh, of the new series, usually in the beginning pages of the publisher. So if you're interested in checking out brand new series and jump on points, um, typically look in the front of each publisher to see that. Uh, jumping over to DC, uh, the Young Animal line, which uh, is kind of shepherded by uh, Gerard Way, which has the titles of like Shade, The Changing Girl, and Mother Panic, and, and Doom Patrol, and things like this. Um, they're kind of doing almost like a second season, second wave of, uh, of new titles and things that are kind of like picking up from old storylines. Um, like they have Eternity Girl number one, Cave Carson has an Interstellar Eye number one, Mother Panic Gotham AD number one, and Shade the Changing Woman number one. So this past year she was Changing Girl, but now she changed from a girl into a woman. Uh, but yeah, these young animal uh, books exist within the DC universe, but aren't uh, weighed down by the DC superhero continuity. Um, and it's it's very own, it's its own like interconnected uh, mini little universe. Uh, its own little imprint, if you will, and there's a mini series, a mini series crossover event that's happening uh, within the next month or two uh, with the DC characters. But this is where these characters are going post that mini series. So if you're interested in some of the most bizarre storytelling and art, and I say that in the most uh, complimentive way, um, <laughs> these young animal books definitely do it because they there's a bunch of weird series. Uh, I've dipped into some of them there. It's just a trippy little own universe of outside of the DC comics there. So yeah, that's page 94 for the young animals oh, uh, lines. Different. So yeah, that's uh, one thing I kind of want to highlight it from DC. 
Uh, we're going to jump over into uh, IDW Publishing, um, page 165. Speaking of Ghostbusters, uh, they cannot get enough of Ghostbusters because another new series has been announced, and that one is Ghostbusters Crossing Over Number 1. Uh, they're doing yet another crossover, kind of like the uh, Ghostbusters 101, which took the I had talked about in the last segment about the, the movie cast kind of coming together. Uh, but they also kind of cross over with all of uh, pretty much any time, like Ghostbusters within the comics and stuff too. So they're doing a new event, Ghostbusters Crossing Over number one. Uh, I'm not sure how long that one's going to run there, if it's a limited series or not. But it does take elements of the characters from the 2016 movie as well. Um, but yeah, I've never been one to read Ghostbusters comics. I have a couple from my childhood mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, but I uh, never continuously read them. I mostly consumed them through cartoons, toys, and movies. Mm -hmm. But uh, since the uh, spawn of the new movie, bleeding into the comic books, I've been uh, expanding my Ghostbusters knowledge uh, through through this medium here. Cool. Um, there's another spotlight that I'll mention if you're a fan of um, Bruce Campbell, uh, Bubba Hotep and the Cosmic Bloodsuckers, number one, which is a prequel series to the Bubba Hotep movie that he did, uh, one of his classic movie uh, movies. If you're a fan of uh, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead, and Briscoe County Jr., and Bubba Hotep, and all that fun stuff, um, Army of Darkness, list goes on and on. They have a prequel to his uh, <laughs> Bubba Hotep, which that's what's great about comics because you get stories that you either would never get in a movie mm -hmm. uh, just due to budgets and, you know, $100 million to try to make this. Well, uh, they're going to try to uh, tell the story, but through a comic book. So that's uh, one of the advantages of uh, the written word of comics. How I got into comics is I needed more Firefly, so I started reading the Firefly comics. That is uh, the perfect way to do it, and uh, now I'll look at it. You know, you're know, you expanding to yeah, all of these the extra things here. That's the one thing about comics, that they're very contagious. So. Um, jumping over to Image, page 204, one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, the man... Uh, who writes everything that Kelly Thompson isn't writing and, and Charles Soule isn't writing, is Jeff Lemire. He has yet another new series. I guarantee he's probably writing like 10 books right now. And he draws some of those too. Wow. Jeff Lemire is like... I want to be that talented. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I, I get annoyed at him when I see that he's writing a new series because I'm like, I can't follow everything he writes. But this one kind of caught my attention. Uh, Gideon Falls, number one. Uh, it's a brand new ongoing series. Um, the lives of a reclusive young man obsessed with the conspiracy in the city's trash and a washed-up Catholic priest arriving in a small town full of dark secrets become intertwined around the mysterious legend of the Black Barn, an otherworldly building that is alleged to have appeared in both the city and the small town throughout history, bringing death and madness in its wake. Jeff Lemire is such a multi-talented writer when it comes really to is. creating his own things, when it comes to horror genres when it comes to superhero genres and uh, I'm looking him up no right limits. now and this guy is writing many different kinds of comics but and many different publishers too yeah, like he's so not he, exclusive he to anybody he has a anybody. lot going um, looks like for a while um, he was with DC but even still he is 
like gangbusters yeah. on all kinds of stuff. And he's still writing uh, this this month. Oh, he's now got he's something. At Marvel, so okay, yeah, and well, this month too, he's got something from DC coming out. So he's one of those guys that is able to legally float from company to company and isn't uh, latched down by either of them. Um, but yeah, he's someone that is always on my radar. And uh, Gideon Falls, number one. Um, yeah, this is one of the most talented guys uh, when it comes yeah, to writers. I want uh, to shake his hand. He looks awesome. And we have the artists uh, that worked on The Old Man Logan, which I extremely dig. So when you when you pair Jeff Lemire's writing with the art of uh, Andrea Sorrentino, I think is how you pronounce, um, uh, that's a combination where I'm like, yep, I want more of that. So Gideon Falls, number one. But page one more over to 206. This is uh, something I, I'm trying to think. I think I said that off-air about that variant cover, that $200 yeah. variant cover. That was off-air. Um, guess who has a new comic book series? This is going to catch the attention of a lot of people. Yeah. Writer Robert Kirkman, uh, alongside the art of Lorenzo Del Felici and Annalisha Leone. I think I did that okay. Oblivion Song, number one. Now, Robert Kirkman, um, he is wrapping up his, uh, is it Invincible? I think that's his, like, it's got like 170-some or maybe even more. Um, but also, you know, he's doing The Walking Dead. He does Outcast. Um, obviously, he is uh, one of the revolutionary writers of the last, like, 15-plus years. Um, so when he has a new series coming out, now, he, he's one that's written a lot of things, but he doesn't always juggle so many things at once like a Jeff Lemire or a Kelly Thompson because um, he's also got his hands deep into the televised versions of yeah. his productions as well. He's got a lot to do. So when he comes out with a brand new series, um, and it probably helped because he's wrapping up the... I think it's Invincible. I think that's what it's called. Um, oblivion Song. A decade ago, 30,000 citizens in Philadelphia were suddenly lost in oblivion. The government made every attempt to recover them, but after many years, they gave up. Nathan Cole won't. He makes his daily trips, risking his life to try and rescue those still living in the apocalyptic hellscape of oblivion. But maybe Nathan is looking for something else? Why can't he resist the siren call of the Oblivion song? Honestly, I didn't need to read any of that to know that I put it on my pull list because, once again, Robert Kirkman, number one. Yeah, this will be a TV show in AMC in no time, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one thing to mention uh, for new series. And, and Image is probably one of the most popular for having so many new series. So they have Cyberforce, number one, Dry County, number one, Infidel, number one, Prism Stalker, number one. Those are just the brand new batches of uh, new comics that start in March. So if you're looking for something that isn't rooted in 75 years of superhero mm -hmm. capes and tights, uh, these independent publishers are the places to look for horror stories and even superhero stories too. But uh, um, all the stuff that you didn't think comics could do because you classify it under Superman and Spider-Man and Wonder Woman um, are happening right here in independent publishers so. one that i saw yes. um jim brought it up a couple weeks ago there was he was talking about coyotes mm -hmm. and he brought in one and two and i saw the trades out so uh if you have been listening and you know thought that that was maybe a cool series another one that i mentioned a couple months ago the family trade also has a trade paperback coming out so awesome. if you like to shop that way uh some couple good ones in there to tie it into previous podcasts yeah, and the trade waiting um, is pretty good if you're yeah if you do want that story right away. 
Um, there's a couple things, uh, like I, I do some trade waiting and a couple things too. Um, trade paperbacks in the last like 10 years have really uh, become more important. They're more accepted to the outside, like reading culture when you see it mm-hmm. like Barnes and Noble yeah. and like the, the big places like that where you traditionally find your prose novels. Um, graphic novels, as they like to call them, uh, even though like the term graphic novel is usually reserved for a comic book story that's told in one chunk and right. that's exi- and it's released as one chunk but when you have like a Spider-Man collecting these six issues you know some will say it's a graphic novel or something but trade paperback graphic novel are both kind of interchangeable terms um I'd always thought graphic novel uh, maybe it's just kind of what is out there but was a little bit more adult versus you know, like a traditional comic book where they're telling a story that is maybe darker or more violent. Yeah, and that's definitely kind of that's perception. definitely had some of it too because I think it's always I think it started where grown ups liked reading comic books but were ashamed of saying, "Oh, I read comics." But if they say, "I read graphic novels," you know, it, it gives a little. True. It, it makes it seem like it's more legit, and it has been a term that a lot of people have kind of, kind of used, and uh, so much like something like coyotes, you know, coming out in the trade paperback and things like that. So there's many different things where you can read as a trade. You just have to wait, you know, four to six months for all the single issues to come out. But also, it's very, you know, there's. There's like a series like uh, Wayward from Image Comics, uh, writer Jim Zub. He, uh, I think he's talked about that where that book keeps going as single issues, mm-hmm. but it's it seems to be more successful as a trade paperback. Now the trades come out because they write the single issues and the people that buy them. Yeah. But also, you know, there are tons of people that read it in that chunk because they don't want to wait, you know, month to month, month to month. But also. Uh, Budget-wise, it is more yeah, convenient to pick it up. So there's advantages of uh, both. There sometimes you need the story right away, and sometimes you can be like, "Well, I can let yeah. the story come out." Have read. it your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have the crimson cowl. <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect. I think David would agree to that if he had heard that. So um, I'm going to jump over to 270, if unless there was anything in no, between there. I am good. 270 Aftershock Comics, uh, which has been one of my favorite publishers yeah, cool. of the last uh, year or two. Um, something that caught my attention very much. I thought it was a brand new series. In a way it is, but it's called Shock Anthology. Oh, it's a $35, 160-page, full-color, hardcover. Oh, it. It. There you go. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because I saw Marguerite Bennett, who writes Animosity and a bunch of other stuff over at DC, written some of my favorite Marvel stuff too. I uh, met her a couple times at the uh, Comic-Cons in the local area. Um, she's kind of like one of like the... I don't want to say like a like a founding member of Aftershock Comics. I don't know who actually owned and found it, but saying so is that she's uh, you know has a lot of uh, titles that she uh, is you know very popular within the company. So once I saw her name, I'm like, yep, I'm buying it. Shock Anthology number uh, this hardcover. It's the first Aftershock original graphic novel anthology. It continues to push boundaries by presenting its very first anthology collection, featuring a slew of today's top writers and artists. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it just, I, I don't even know. And that's, what's great about the anthology. Mm-hmm. They don't really tell you exactly what you're getting in there. Yeah. But when you see that, when you saw, uh, Neil Gaiman in there, I saw Marguerite Bennett, Colin Bunn, you had, uh, Mark Guggenheim and many more. But yeah, that's something that it's a $35 shock anthology. It's called in a hardcover format. Um, yeah, I didn't hesitate. I'm putting that on my list because of, uh, all of the creative talents that you know throughout Aftershock Comics. 
um, are kind of coming together, and I don't know what they're selling, but I'm buying it because there's a skeleton at the bar, <laughs> you know, bartender skeleton. I have no idea what that means, but it looks cool. But there's going to be many different stories that are existing in there. Uh, we will welcome back um, co-owner of the store, David, as he returns with his previous catalog here. Were, yeah. you, were you searching was, for it this I was just time? searching through some... Uh, but it's always right on the table. Working. No, well, no, I was searching through the previews. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, because uh, got some, some new customers coming in looking for some uh, Doctor Who books, which I would be Titan. I would be Titan. Um She's actually looking to complete something that's not currently in the previews, uh, but she is interested in ongoing stuff and will possibly be signing up for a pull list for future Doctor Who books. So that's, cool, cool. that's always a plus. Love to hear uh, any that you know she decides to buy what she likes because I was looking at a couple of those for ten and eleven that I thought, oh, that might be nice. Um, and just to follow up, so according to the internet, Marguerite Bennett is not currently on the executive team at Aftershock. Okay. However, she is a really important writer and I'm sure a very important part of their larger team. Too. Yeah, the animosity with its ongoing series, with its one-shots, with its spin-offs, like, you know, uh, she has another series at Aftershock that, yeah, she is one of those that's just kind of in that, that wheelhouse of being like, oh, you have something new, yet we're publishing it because, you know... She's got many works from Marvel, DC, and Independence to uh, prove her way there. Uh, Betrothed number one is a new Aftershock one that I put on my list. Welcome to the world of Betrothed. Uh, Karen and Tamara are both seniors at the same high school. They've never paid much attention to each other, even though they are the only kids at school who are orphans. Mm -hmm. On the eye of their 18th birthdays, they discover a lifelong secret in a dimension far away. They are each uh, they are each the leader of an army that is at war with one another. And what's more, when they turn 18... There to be betrothed or fight to the death. Um, so yeah, once again, with it being an Aftershock series, number one, that just caught my attention. I'm not familiar with the creative team, but I'm very familiar with Aftershock and their brilliant titles. Hmm. Hey, I just want to jump back to Shock Anthology, yes. taking a closer look. So the skeleton at the bar is awesome enough, but if you look at the, uh, the names of the bottles behind the bar, okay. we got... Call-outs to the Seven Deadlies and all kinds of interesting things going on yeah, there. And okay. Different and uh, more esoteric parts of the uh, human condition. So. And that bartender needs to and be careful because it looks like he's dropped one of his eyes into a drink. Mm. Oh, good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, he's got some open flames and there's some alcohol. So it's, maybe that's why he's a skeleton yeah. now. So. Sounds like yeah. a fun bar. Huh? Yeah, it does. Um... And as I told Katie with David rejoining the table here, if there's anything I skip over, I'm just kind of going through my guideline. Feel free to interrupt and push me over when you see something. Well, speaking of interrupting, yes. unfortunately, I would love oh. to go through the remainder of the book. However, I do have to go. So okay. we'll talk about this another time because there's a lot of neat things in it. So, And that's a good thing, too, for any members coming in. You know, these catalogs, uh, they come, you know, once they show up in the story, get a month or so. Uh to go through and feel free to always bring it to the table, you know, with something that you saw and questioned about as well. Right. You've got, I mean, definitely uh, several weeks um, to go through it. Typically, they come in the beginning of the month, sometimes the last week of the previous month. Uh, they, they arrive here. Um, the orders are usually due about the last week of the month. Um, you know, and the, the, the specific dates will vary. 
so you've got uh, right. so you've got you know most of a month to, to go through it and figure out what you'd like uh, figure out what to cross off your list because uh, you know we understand it can get kind of uh, ex expensive if you uh, go through the catalog and, and start writing down too many things that you want uh, you'll find yourself being like Anthony over here who orders half the catalog. Yeah, that's... And uh, we don't actually have a problem with that, but um, but you might. Yeah, eventually I'm going to, and it makes it worse when a uh, 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 customer favorite publisher here, Crimson Cowl, Alterna Comics on page 278, there's Tinseltown number one and Zero Jumper number one. Whenever there's a new Alterna comic, uh, they always seem to have a cycle of... Uh, couple different mini series going on at once and every time you open up a new catalog there's usually another series or two uh, to jump on. Uh, Tinseltown number one in 1915 Abigail Moore became one of the first female police officers in Hollywood but beneath the glamorous surface of Tinseltown beats a rotten heart full of corruption, greed, and lies and Abigail's about to dive headfirst into all of it. Uh, Zero Jumper number one, an ancient power source that can manipulate space and time, is buried deep on a barren world, and Juno, the last human, must embark on a dangerous journey to find it. Her mission is simple. Go back in time and save humanity from extinction. extinction. The cost? Her life. Uh, so yeah, those are two titles uh, presented at $1.50 apiece. Um, one in five miniseries and a one in four miniseries, so it's a pretty affordable commitment and uh we seem to always uh have a lot of praise for the alternate comics here in the store uh, that's because they are <laughs> awesome awesome company for us to work with and uh, yeah, even on a personal and, and a business level the, the books have been uh have been have been really great and definitely at an affordable price which you don't uh, see a lot of these days um i mean yes comic books are all affordable but seriously you know, at uh, you know, most of them being a dollar fifty each. That's well below what what most books are running. Um, and they're uh, printed on newsprint, which kind of gives that old classic, you know, pre two thousand comic book feel, which uh, you know probably helps with the you know the the price of the book as well. But when I pick up any any time I pick up an old book like that, it kind of just transports me to a different time and. Uh, and even that other book, the Zero Jumper, will transport you to a different time, literally. So, and um, you know, again, Alterna, um, we've we've been carrying all of their uh, titles, uh, but just like everything else, uh, you know, unless you've pre-ordered it, there's no guarantee that it's gonna wait for you on the racks, um, and and then you might have to try to reorder it, or uh, there might be a little bit of a wait to get it. Um, so we definitely recommend, like with everything else, uh, placing your pre-order. That's a great note to add because the things that I've uh, kind of picked out, whether they're stuff that I was personally getting or just things of note that would be interesting to uh, uh, other readers, um, yeah, those aren't things that are being ordered at the store unless you're excited. There are some of them that may be um, based on the you know popularity of the titles and such. But uh, But yeah, if you hear something that you're excited for, it is best to just say, hey, I want that book, and then you can actually have it reserved. Uh, one thing when I talked about variant covers early in pre-ordering and reserving is a great example for page 289 as we jump into Archie Comics. More importantly, the Archer, or Arch, I combined both The words. Archery? It's the Archie, no, I already talked about the Archery uh, books over in the Hawkeye. Hawkeye yeah. Archie Horror, uh, the line that kicked off with... Uh, uh, 
with the, uh, I'm just having a brain fart here as I think of uh, Afterlife with Archie, the zombie book, which then spawned the uh, Jughead, The Hunger, which was the werewolf story. Now, one I'm very excited for that I ordered, I think I ordered three covers of on my list uh, that I sent to you guys, Vampironica number one. Um, this uh, When Veronica is bitten by a century-old vampire, her thirst for blood threatens to turn Riverdale into a haven for the undead. Will she put an end to the vampire threat or give in to her bloodlust? Uh, what this does, it takes the classic Archie characters um, and spins them into its own little continuity while the hunger and afterlife and Vampironica really don't have anything to do with each other and a continuum be like, oh, I have to read that first or this first. They're all its own little interpretation continuity um, to kind of jump into. That also spawned the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Both of these things of the archery horror had led to the, the development of the Riverdale TV show in which they have the Riverdale tie-in issues also in the, the comic book format. Uh, but uh, much like uh, their direction over at Archie, modernizing Archie with the ongoing series, with these horror series, with these crossover series, with like Betty and Veronica, uh, Betty and Veronica and Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. And uh, there's so many things going on in the Archie world that's just kind of blowing my mind. And uh, I've been buying a good, good amount of it. Yeah, we actually just had, because um, turning to the next page, you've got some of those titles that you just mentioned, that Riverdale, uh, actually that's The Trades, Volume 2, um, Jughead the Hunger, they're up to issue number four. Um, somebody was just flipping through this the other day and had made a comment about how great that werewolf looked with Jughead's hat, and yep. I had to explain that that is actually Jughead. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is a werewolf. Um, at, at least in, in this title. Um, but I, I can see it with the, uh, the cover and the way it's written in that particular, uh, layout there that you can see it as being a Jughead number four and, and completely miss that it's Jughead, the hunger. Yeah. It's, uh, something that people could be confused about and like, what are these books and what's going on? And it's just, it is all the Archie characters just being, recast into different genres and like they're still playing Archie and you know Jughead and you know Reggie and Mr. Weatherby and all all the your fun characters but they're just done in a different approach that makes it fun and, and they're they're taking themselves seriously and also not at the same time where it's just like the stories are serious like these are real horror stories that aren't goofy and silly and parody like it's uh, they're actually, you know, Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures are some pretty dark stuff that uh, that could surprise one if you think you're just going in to see, you know, Jughead eating a hamburger or something. So you're getting that, but the hamburger just maybe, you know, yeah, it's, bloody, it's, it's actually funny to hear you say it's not a parody because it's almost like, you know, the, the fact that they've taken these characters and done something makes you feel like, okay, it's a parody of them, but done in a serious yeah. way that, that it, it's almost like the regular book is the parody. That's pretty much the best way uh, I could explain it. And I didn't even have to, you did. Um, Dynamite comics, uh, green Hornet has a new number one. I'm not too, I, I've read uh, green and or Hornet here and there, but uh, 
That's just a featured item on their uh, page 336 over yeah, there. Yeah, that's kind of Kurt's dad's uh, realm. That's his, yeah. You know. <laughs> There's a couple things from Dynamite I, di- I dip and dive in and out of. Um, but yeah, that's something that could interest somebody whenever you see a new number one there. Um, Katie had mentioned, uh, and this is the full details on page 380 from Lion Forge Comics, the Puerto Rico Strong, the anthology celebrating Puerto Rican culture, history, strength, and pride due to the uh, hurricanes and the relief and all the, you know, the profits will go towards the disaster relief. Um, so yeah, you were out of the room at the time, but we had talked about, you know, they're doing something for the upcoming, uh. They're doing an upcoming one about the Las Vegas shooting. They did the Love is Love one for the Orlando shooting. Um, the anthology comics, kind of people coming together for a good cause. Telling comic book stories that actually, you know, have a lot of heart being poured into it. Uh, dealing with the issues of the real world. And then, you know, the money and proceeds are going towards those reliefs and everything. So she talked about that in much greater detail. But if you want more information, page 380 is where you're going to find that. Um, another thing I had is jumping all the way to page 472. Once again, if you're listening, I'm just kind of picked out some things that kind of caught my interest. I look at every single page of these preview books, uh, to build my list. Um, so there's many of things that aren't highlighted here on the podcast as well as the Facebook page, but here's one that, uh, I was excited to see that's orderable, uh, through this catalog. Cause I thought I was just going to have to go to, Amazon or a bookstore to get it. Page 472 under... Yes, you go to a bookstore. Yes. We sell books. Well, this one isn't a comic book. This is a fantasy sci-fi, the Oracle Year hardcover, written by Charles Soule, who writes everything at Marvel at the moment that Kelly Thompson and Jeff Lemire haven't been writing, and Brian Bendis. Um, From best-selling comic book franchise writer Charles Soule comes a clever and witty first novel of a 20-something New Yorker who wakes up one morning with the power to predict the future. When an unassuming Manhattan uh, bassist named Will Dando awakens from a dream one morning with 108 predictions about the future in his head, he rapidly finds himself the most powerful man in the world. So, following Charles Soule, having met him a couple times, I knew that he was coming out with his first novel. I didn't know how he had the time for it because he's writing so many comics at once. But, of course, you know, with his kind of uh, talent, he's like, yeah, why not dominate the the prose world as well? So, like I said, I thought this was going to be a book I had to get elsewhere that it wouldn't even be part of a previews catalog. But, you know, thankfully, because of his comic career as well, it was thrown in here. So that one's on my list as well. So that's a, that's a 100% prose novel, brand new uh, coming from someone who has written comics all his life, so yeah, and we do have uh, we do have a growing amount of books in the store, um, but again, uh, it's something that we don't have a ton of. Uh, so uh, the previous catalog has plenty of books in here if you're uh, if you're interested in looking at that. Um, Doctor Who, which I uh, just discussed uh, with some customers uh, outside of the podcast. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation Cats, you know, for those uh, <laughs> Star Trek and cat lovers. Uh, Star Wars Forces of Destiny and, and some other Star Wars books. There's there's really a number of uh, different books and uh, things that are available through the previews. 
Uh, and usually what uh, brings up the tail end of the previous catalog is a lot of the merchandise, the non-reading stuff, um, starting with page 483, basically. Uh, if you're in the store and you're looking at, like, T-shirts and you see something that maybe is not in your size, you see something that's interesting, all of them come from these preview catalogs. Uh, oh, you got it. And uh, so always ask about that, and you can look in to see, you know, and uh, see what's available in your particular size but what's coming out from here you see a brand bunch of brand new t-shirts and uh, several different pages um, things that you're not going to see like on the stores of like Walmart and Target and things like that these are you know these kind of items they'll definitely have that kind of merchandise but not these kind of shirts you won't see these right. character these shirts are different than when you walk into and see in the, the t-shirt racks at Walmart and Kohl's and Target and places like that um, and you won't see a lot of them, even on our racks. We do carry a few, um, but uh, we're not large enough to have a, a huge selection. And the ones that we have, we only have, you know, a, a few different sizes. So uh, it's definitely best to go through this, find what you want, figure out what size you want it ordered in, and we'll be happy to order it for you. If you've been following along to the club or uh, picking up the books at home, the DC Metal, they have a bunch of t-shirts uh, with the logos of all the different uh, you know, Dark Universe uh, versions of like Batman and you know, they have the, the Murder Machine, Red Death, Dawnbreaker, basically all those one-shots. They have in logos for t-shirts and so they have a bunch of things like that. There's a bunch of cool like dresses for women when it comes to like, you know, like Iron Man and Captain America type uniform, Spider-Man and... Uh, uh, so many different choices when it comes to uh, adults and children and shirts and things, dresses, and things like that. There's a lot of premium premium statues and action figures. So many things that like you you might not even be aware of that they like even make things for that. A uh, couple things I uh, just to close out this catalog and we'll probably you know bring out the end of the episode here. Some of the items I was excited on page 508. You know those classic uh, hula girls that are put on like a dashboard of a car? They have that, except it's Harley Quinn. Um, so yeah, they have the Harley Quinn hula girl bobble figure, which uh, looks pretty great of the animated series, the original, you know, Jester uh, version, not your uh, Margot Robbie movie current comic version. They do have the, it's the classic one there. Um, but yeah, that looks pretty good. You know, it's a four inch bobble figure that's uh twelve ninety nine. Yeah, actually not a bad price at all. I was um, yeah, I thought I, it was I, gonna be more so be, being the businessman, I'm I'm actually a horrible businessman. I would be the first person <laughs> to call out, you know, uh high prices on things. Um so it's it's nice when you see something that'd be a something cool like that and it's a, a nice price tag on it. And uh, Funko Pop has really taken over the last couple of years, especially this past year. Uh, you'll see a lot of different pops coming in at the store, but there's even more that are available in the catalog. So starting on page 524, uh, with the Black Panther movie coming out in February, uh, what, uh, what better way to celebrate by picking up all your favorite characters in pop form and, and vinyl figures, dorbs, and all plushies and all that kind of stuff. One thing I want to mention at 525 Two of my favorite things that could not be any more different. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is getting some 25th anniversary vinyl figures. I uh, put Dark Willow on my uh, order list there. But they have a bunch of different characters. And now Fraggle Rock is getting into the uh, pop vinyl game, which they all come with little doozers, minifigures. 
and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so like Kurt knows me so well that he'll probably end up buying these if I don't pre-order them. Which ones you have? And then I'm gonna have to buy them because he, you know, purposely did that. Uh, a bunch of Looney Tune pops, Mr. Bean pop, which I pre-ordered. And from the SNL Tom Hanks sketch, uh, David S. Pumpkins has his own pop figure on 527. Yeah, and I'm caught up with you now. It took me a while because I kept getting, as I'm paging through, I kept like looking, oh, action figures. Oh, that one's cool, you know. And it's It's uh, it's hard to flip through and keep caught up with you here. Yeah, there's more more than meets the (laughs) eye. Like literally, there's a lot of Transformers stuff in here too. Uh, But David S. Pumpkins from his SNL sketch. uh, So yeah, yeah. the pop figures here you can pre-order now any questions that's a reference for all those david s pumpkins fans out there uh, but even things like you know rock stars like jerry garcia and kurt cobain have pop figures and here here's one thing i want to spotlight the popular comic book saga which has very little merchandise but has slowly been coming out like it's not mass produced like spider-man's on everything basically and i'm saying that as someone wearing the spider-man hoodie but the Saga, they'll have a couple action figures out there. They started doing a couple different plushies. They're first getting into the pop game now. So all your main characters are presented in pop figure form. So I think that's a pretty big thing for something that's coming up on the 50th issue of the series over the last couple of years is one of the most beloved and best-selling uh, comic books and trade paperbacks and all that stuff. So they're slowly starting to mainstream and even the creators... Uh, Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn, they've had many offers for them to do movies and television shows because, you know, when a comic, anytime a comic gets big, you know, everyone jumps on the property right away. And they've said many a times where they've turned it down just being like, you know, we want it to be a comic. Like, that's what it is. Someday it'll get to that point, but right now we're concentrating on a comic book story. Um, and that comes from, you know, Brian K. Vaughn, who's the co creator of the Marvel's Runaways. Which, you know, over you know, 15, 17 years ago when that comic started, now 17 years later, it's a pretty successful uh, Hulu show. So that's something, like, it's kind of interesting to see, like, creators and, like, where, you know, to kind of see what they do with their properties where they have people knocking on the door to wanting to make them more rich. Um, but, you know, they're, they're into their stuff and they think it should exist in a you know, a comic book level, and they don't want to sell, quote-unquote, sell out, I guess. But 50 issues of a series, now it's time to sell out with pop figures. Right. And pop figures are always kind of these cutified versions of uh, these different characters and, and real people. And uh, uh, recently I came across somebody had uh, auto-tuned Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. And uh, it's um, it, it's really funny to listen to. <laughs> uh, it, it's... A cutified version of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and uh, I'm looking at this pop version of Kurt Cobain, and all I can hear is the auto-tune version <laughs> of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Check it out. That makes me want a Weird Al pop for Smells Like Nirvana and all that stuff, so... Well, he... well now they have to auto-tune that, just... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Funko, there's a lot of things. I pre-ordered the the Amazon version of the Tick TV show. So that design of that costume, the Tick has his first pop figure that I'm aware of. Stranger Things 2 with all the you know them in their Ghostbuster outfits. And Tommy Boy has pop figures coming out. So many more dorbs and a lot of other things going on. There's so many things that, uh, you once again, you probably don't even know exists. So, yeah. uh, uh, Funko... 
is put out these Mortal Kombat figures that have, they've got kind of this uh, 80s He-Man look to them. Uh, so that's... <laughs> so yeah, if you're interested in the catalog, oh, another thing. The last thing I'll leave on is uh, the Beatles Titans black and white vinyl figures. These are uh, 14 and a half bucks each. Um, they have uh, your John, Paul, George, and Ringo, and a yellow submarine, but in black and white. So the yellow submarine is a black and white. Uh, <laughs> that's I, I think it's yellow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's so much stuff that that's exciting. Like when there's a new previous catalog, I, I honestly get so excited to kind of spend the evening flipping through all like 600 pages and going through and seeing what catches the eye and comic books, collections, shirts, and mugs and toys and magnets and key rings and stickers and bibs and like there's so much stuff that's like it's out there that it if if you're unfamiliar with the catalog um there's always one sitting on the the table here feel free to take a seat on the chair or the couch uh you know, if you're a subscriber and stuff, they get uh, many different copies at the store. So that'll be attached to your pull list and stuff too to kind of build your next next uh, two month pull list. But yeah, it's important once again to kind of show your devotion to the creators that you like and the series and stuff like that to kind of help them survive as well as to get better ordering for the store and kind of know what everyone's right. There for. are a lot of things in here. There's no way that, you know, we can possibly carry all of this at the store. We get customers in here all the time who will ask for something and they might be the only customer who asked for it. Um, and we don't carry it because there just isn't, uh, there just aren't enough people in this area that are looking for it to warrant having it on the shelf. Um, but it's in the previews catalog. And, uh, so if they, Take, take a little bit of time, look through the previous catalog, uh, see what they want. Um, so the, the, the manga, uh, anime stuff, um, a lot of things that, that people are looking for, very specific things, uh, but we might not have it on the shelf. This is the place to go. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, comics that I get from my extensive pull list that when I like help sort the books on some of the days... Um, I want to have the question on if it was for somebody or for the rack being like, I know I'm the only one that buys this particular book. Uh, some of those books I'll highlight here on the podcast and stuff too, but that shows you that just because you don't see it on the shelf doesn't mean it doesn't exist and won't be ordered. So, cause if that was the truth, you know, there'd be a, I'd have, you know, a bigger budget for books, you know, other books cause. Because there's a lot of stuff to be uh, that kind of get lost into the big catalog there, and uh, we highlighted some of them there. So yeah, um, that's that. The only thing I want to mention for next week's uh, issue of the podcast um, be an anniversary issue, issue number ten, hitting the double digits. Um, we're gonna really milk out anniversary wow. milestones and stuff like that. So, but double digits for the the podcast version. Uh, we've gone on. Uh, much longer when it comes to discussing comic books uh, on a weekly basis. We have the Avengers uh, No Surrender event that kicks off the 16-issue um, non-event, as you uh, say. Um, yeah, because Marvel, they're, they're still not doing events. No right? more events. No Infinity Countdown. That's not an event. No Surrender. Not an event. Um yeah, all that stuff that's going on. Yeah, but the Avengers, we're going to be talking about that for 16 weeks in a row um, as a club pick. So if you're interested in that, and if you aren't subscribing to uh, 
uh, a certain amount of titles to get a subscription rate or a discount rate, I should say. Um, our club picks are offered at a discounted price just for those individual books. So if you want to come in and participate in the club and talk about and read uh, Dark Knight's Metal, um, still a couple issues left of that. Uh, Doomsday Clock over at DC, and now this Avengers No Surrender will be part of that as well. So it's a good way to kind of, you know, check out some comics you maybe don't normally read. Because uh, I definitely come to the table for like a lot of the DC stuff, even the Marvel too, where I think I know something. And then yourself and uh, Kurt's dad bring a lot of uh, extended history, uh, decades history of comics that uh, there's always something new to learn. Uh, even for the most educated reader. So yeah, that's a little advertisement for next week's club. I'm honestly extremely excited for Wednesday's release to pick up that uh, first of 16 weekly Avengers titles. Yeah, I'm excited for a number of things. But uh, yeah, that, I definitely want to see where that's going. I'm looking forward to seeing where some of the other books are going that uh, that I'm reading that are coming out next week. Amazing comics. I think that'll do it. Uh, That was a nice, healthy, long episode there. Good uh, tour through the previews book. If you have any questions, always let us know. This entire time, I've been Anthony. I'm David. And Katie left, and all the other people were... Gone. It's just the crickets now. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.